Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Friday edition of Outkick 360, hour number two, about to begin the VolQuest Power Hour, which will take place in the final hour of the program each and every Friday, right here on the Outkick Network. Shout out to Blackbird Studio, our host. We are here each and every day, Studio G, live from Nashville, Tennessee, theblackbirdacademy.com for more information on how you can attend a school strictly for audio production studio engineering, and everything behind the scenes, theblackbirdacademy.com for more info. Some NFL draft news before we get started with the Tennessee Power Hour. Just coming across from Adam Schefter via Twitter, Dolphins are trading the number three overall pick to the San Francisco 49ers. For the number 12 pick, a 2021 third round pick, which was San Francisco's compensatory pick for Robert Sala's hiring, and first-round picks in 2022 and 2023. A ridiculous haul. Dolphins really collecting more and more. They've had a lot, and they've got a lot, uh, and they're getting, getting more. San Francisco uh, moving up to number three, getting the quarterback of the future there and the end of Jimmy G. I think that would be the presumption. Yeah, you don't, you don't give up. All of that. Two future first-round picks to move up and not draft a quarterback. Yeah. With so that value. Is it, now, who is it? Is it Zach Wilson or Justin Fields? Well, Zach Wilson's pro days today um, where the Jets at number two were saying that it's he could still potentially be their guy yeah. based on the pro day, which is interesting um, because the news is that Sam Darnold's their guy. Again, it's, it's March. Well, here's a wrinkle. Where did uh, the Jets coach come from? Jets picking number two. So we know what's happening, number Sam one. Fran. You don't know what's happening, number two. But the head coach of the Jets is a good friend of yours. So you might have some insight into what's happening, number two, where they're leaning, number two. And so picking number three, you might know the two guys who are going to be off the board and what you're going to have the opportunity to pick. Sure. And we've heard... You know, uh, Greg Cosell thinks the Jets are sticking with Darnold. Um, but also somebody now could come up to go to number two to get the, the Jets are sitting pretty if they are sticking with Darnold in terms of, hey, you want the second quarterback in this draft? Come to us. San Francisco is getting the, the second quarterback in this draft at least, or maybe the third at number three. Tennessee Power Hour here on Outkick 360 as we welcome in Austin Price of VolQuest.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at Austin Priceless. Austin, hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. Brent Hubbs in absentia today, but that's okay. We will hold down the fort without him. There'll just be less movie references and <laughs> less talk of Luke Perry. Yeah, and uh, no Easter decorations behind Austin on the video, which He's surprised me. Just a master's portrait up behind you, Austin. I'm, I'm a little surprised we're not celebrating 
some holiday, even if it's uh, out of season. I, I'm picturing a Christmas tree with pastel eggs hanging off of it. You know, uh, I thought about it, but I decided just to stick with uh, what I know best, and that's Augusta National. <laughs> hey, we're, we're going to get to all things spring practice and Caden Salter in a moment uh, with the suspension there. Let's start by recapping the Tennessee Volunteers basketball season uh, and the early exit in the NCAA tournament. Your overall thoughts of the way they performed in Indy last weekend and the fact that they were a one-and-done against Oregon State. Very disappointing. I thought a disappointing year. I understand what Coach Barnes was saying. Like you, you want to, you know, appreciate the fact that this team got to the NCAA tournament. That's a good thing that this program is now to a point where, you know, the bar is set. You know, that you know you want to make the NCAA tournament every year. But when you continue to bring in really, you know, talented players like Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson, Josiah Jordan James, the year before that, this coming year with Kennedy Chandler. And Jemai Moshak, like to me, you you want to, you know, take that a step further. They've got to find a way to take the step as a, as a basketball program. They're going to be okay at the wing going forward, even if they lose, you know, Keon and, and Jaden Springer. To me, they've got to find their point guard, which they have done that. But I think you need to find a little bit more help there as well. It can't be all on Kennedy Chandler. And then they've got to find help in the post. If John Fulkerson comes back and is a uh, more like John Fulkerson we saw as a junior then I think that Tennessee, you know, obviously would not need as much help in the post. But to me, they still need an athletic post that can help them, that can it can really kind of stabilize the interior front court, can protect the rim. That's something that Eve Pons gave you. You won't have him going forward. So who's going to protect the rim going forward in the next year? To me, there's a lot of questions around this Tennessee basketball program right now. It, it, the cupboard's not bare, but they've got to figure out some things through either the spring signing period or – um, you know, going the, the transfer route to be able to sure up some spots where they're probably a little bit weak. Well, and that's where I was going to go with it, Austin. It, it seems like, you know, maybe crossroads is too strong of a word, but Rick Barnes in Tennessee had their most success bringing in maybe some overlooked prospects and developing them. Now they bring in two one-and-dones. They didn't get the desired results, especially in the NCAA tournament. They've got the number one point guard in America coming in. It looks like they've solved point guard if he's as good as advertised. What do you think happens with this roster? Is it back to the transfer market? Is it a reevaluation of what they're doing? How does Kim English's departure in terms of recruiting, how does that affect them moving forward? How do you think Rick Barnes looks at this situation, and how is he going to change or adapt moving forward, or will he? Well, I think you, you hope that he adapts in some form or fashion. You know, Rick's a veteran coach. You know, Nick Saban probably wouldn't have won a national title and, and stayed at the top of the mountain had he not adapted. If he was still trying to play games, you know, 17-10, would Alabama be what Alabama is? I don't think so. So I think, you know, all coaches need to evolve. Look at Bob Huggins. He evolved his game instead of that kind of, you know, almost bad boys defense, you know, kind of, you know, bully, you know, type teams that he had. Now they spread it out. They shoot a ton of threes. It's totally different uh, with him at West Virginia than it was with him at Cincinnati. So I think, you know, all coaches, especially the good ones, and Rick Barnes is a good one, figure out a way to evolve. And so I think you still look at the transfer market. I think you look and see what high school players are available, potentially who could uh, reclassify. Obviously the kid in Pennsylvania, BHH, um, Brandon Huntley-Hatfield, he, he's someone that I think that Tennessee's in a really good spot with. I think if he were to pick Tennessee, he probably would reclassify and, and be here for this upcoming season. He is a, an athletic post player. 
who can help protect the rim, does those type things. Uh, you know, the Mayshack kid, Tennessee's already signed. He's a really athletic defender um, that, you know, blocks shots and, and, and can play, you know, that, you know, three-fourths position or the two. Um, so, you know, Tennessee needs to find some help to go along with Kennedy Chandler. You know, they've got to get more consistent play from Victor Bailey and, and Santiago Vascovi. My question is, is can those guys, can they do it? I mean, they, you know, they're almost liabilities on defense. And if they're shooting it well, they're great. And if they're not, they are a detriment to you because they continue to volume shoot. So, you know, Tennessee, you know, going to dip their you know feet into the transfer market, especially in the posts. Um, I, I think you could potentially look at the West Coast for a guy that, you know, potentially could come out of there or continue to hear rumblings. No one dropped the name because the kid's not in the portal yet. We continue to hear rumblings out of the West Coast that uh, you could end up somebody somebody coming from the the you know, western side of the United States, you know, you know back east. I um, mean, Tennessee could be a landing spot for him. Um, Tennessee's going to continue to look at guys. I don't think Walker Kessler is a realistic option at this point. Um, of course, Tennessee didn't really factor. You know, they were early in factoring in his recruitment, but not late. Um, and when he's leaving North Carolina, and everybody's pinpointed him for Gonzaga. Austin, maybe it's extremely unlikely at this point, but. Are there odds that Springer or Johnson could return if they don't get the feedback from the NBA that they're looking for? I just don't think so. I mean, like, you know, I, I think Keon is going to get drafted so high or be projected so high that, like, I just don't think he can come back. And then someone who is, um, you, know, you know, like Jaden Springer, Jaden doesn't really do anything poorly. Um, but I don't think Jaden necessarily does anything great and exceptional either. Like, and that's like, you're really kind of projecting off potential. Can they, you know, can the, an NBA team take all the stuff that he does well, which is a ton, you know, he rebounds the well for a guard. He shoots it solid. He obviously has good vision and passes it. He can play point if you need him to, but he's also kind of a tweener. Like, you know, he's not a true point guard, but he's kind of small for a shooting guard. Um, you know, what do NBA teams tell him? And does he want to come back to college? It's kind of been his plan all along to go to the uh, to the NBA after one year. Um, I would be shocked if he did. I would probably be less shocked if Keon Johnson came back out of the two. And I think he's at a point where he's going to be projected at right now. Some of the latest mocks are just outside the top five that you just can't come back. I know a lot of fans may say who cares, um, but I'm wondering to what degree you think the, the, the talk of Barnes as a tournament failure and his deficiencies in that department ultimately wear on him. Uh, we know his personality, but in the back of his head, every time he, he comes home early from, from the tournament, does it, does it get worse and how much is it rattling around in there for him? Uh, I don't think that it really, uh, I mean, maybe I guess internally it might, you know, be something that he thinks about, but you know, as you reference Rick's personality, just, does it lend itself to thinking that like that this really bothers him a super ton? Would he like to go further? A hundred percent. You know, would would he like to to you know cut down the nets in the SEC tournament or the NCAA tournament and win a championship? A hundred percent. But I think Rick's very comfortable in his own skin, very comfortable with where his career has gotten to, and so I don't think that you know he hangs on any particular game or any particular win or loss, and so. You know, for me, I, I think that coach is coaching because he loves to coach and because, you know, he knows that if it ever becomes a burden, he could walk away and be very comfortable in retirement. You know, I, I think he coaches because he loves to impact kids and he loves to uh, just just coach and, 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 and you know, it keeps him young. So we're just getting heated up in the VolQuest Power Hour. 
When we come back, Josh Heupel just completed his first practice as Tennessee's head coach. There's news with a star freshman quarterback being suspended. Henry Tooto, Quavaris Crouch, where does it stand with them? So much to get into as we continue. Another segment with Austin Price of VolQuest.com straight ahead on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 of the Tennessee Power Hour alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Paul, the big headline across the NFL. Monster trade for the NFL draft. Miami trading out of pick number three. San Francisco has moved up. And in the process, they gave up the 12th overall pick this year and two future first-round picks. Just a haul for Miami, which turns picks it got in the Laramie Tunsil trade into even more. Uh, this is Patriot-esque where you turn a pick you acquired into more picks, into more picks, into more picks. Um, very good work by Miami, but also tells you, I think, Miami's in on Tua. Uh, well, they said they would be, at yeah. least for another year, and it tells you that San Francisco was in on one of the top quarterbacks, Zach and, Wilson or Trey Lance. And know, out on Jimmy Garoppolo. Justin Fields. Which then, I mean, they're all kind of tentacles here. So, is San Francisco now out enough on Garoppolo that he ends up on the street? And then uh, the obvious landing spot for him is New England, where Bill Belichick had success with him when he stayed healthy. And, you know, can he facilitate that offense with the new weapons in a better way than Cam Newton can? I, I, I would say he, he can. Um, you know, and then that would eliminate uh, New England from needing to fish for a bigger quarterback and they're drafting a, a little bit lower. Um, and these quarterbacks could all be gone. We could see quarterbacks gone here in, you know, four of the first five, yeah. five of the first six. Um, you know, it's going to be a quarterback heavy, top heavy draft. Will be a mad scramble for sure coming up in late April for the NFL draft. Uh, the, the scramble is on to find some players who are available for spring practice who are under scholarship right now at the University of Tennessee. And uh, one of their top recruits among those not on the field due to suspension, Chad, Caden Salter, not available right now. Yeah, what's the latest with that, Austin? Uh, you look at Caden Salter, the other players suspended. Um, what, what is going on there? How, how long do you think this will continue? Well, you heard Josh Heupel yesterday say, like for right now, they are kind of in a situation where, you know, the, 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 until the university acts on it and decides what they're going to do, all those players are in a bit of limbo. And, you know, uh, it's not ideal for Caden Salter, but to me it's not ideal for a guy like Isaac Washington. Isaac Washington, to me, one of the more talented players that came in here early and, you know, is coming into a situation where one of the – top schools that were recruited him besides Tennessee was Auburn and Rodney Garner. And so Rodney Garner comes in with a familiar face. That's a young kid that he can mold. And all of a sudden he's not here right out of the gate. So like, I think that it hurts a guy like Isaac Washington. It obviously hurts Caden Salter is, you know, realistically every quarterback on this roster was at, at, at you know, at the baseline, they were at you know, the ground zero. Nobody was ahead of anybody else. And so Caden Salter had a chance to come in here and, 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 you know, kind of do what he does, which is lead, play confident, um, you know, run around, make some plays, use his athleticism. And uh, right now he is not. Earlier today he was training at D1 Knoxville. Um, you know, and the hard part for Caden Sultan, you don't know where the young man's mind is at. If anybody knows his story, his father came down with COVID, 
um, was in, has been in UT hospital ever since the weekend that Caden moved in back in January. Um, and, and was on a ventilator for quite some time has, uh, you know, thankfully, and then, you know, um, praise everybody that he came, you know, came off the vent and has been doing better. And, uh, you know, but the whole family's been up here, like this has been a, a real tough time. And then, you know, so I, who knows where his not mind is at mentally. Um, now, it's not excusing what, you know, any of those kids did. Um, but at the same time, you know, we all make mistakes, especially as a 17-year-old kid, because he was not originally named guys in the the, the original report because he's underage. Um, finally, you know, Hypo, when asked if he was out there yesterday and asked why he wasn't out there, divulged that he was part of the uh, group that is indefinitely suspended. So not ideal for anybody, including Aaron Willis and, and Martavis French, who are the other two. Um, but, you know, you hope that, you know, Tennessee is going to say, okay, you guys made a mistake. You guys are going to, you know, do internal punishment and figure it out. But you guys are still going to be part of this football program because, as you know, you guys noted, Tennessee does not have a ton of depth. They don't have a ton of bodies. And even some of the ones they do have are, you know, coming off offseason surgery and not available for spring. So Henry T. and Quavaris Crouch, fair to say now, Austin, that they are not going to be a part of this football team. And, and what happened with both of them? I know Crouch was there and working out. Now he's not around. Henry T. came back and uh, maybe left. What is the latest with both those players? Well, for, for both, you know, Tennessee is, you know, looks like the, you know, they're in the rearview mirror for, you know, you know Tennessee's in their rearview mirror. They're moving on. Um, I know Josh Heupel didn't totally close the door yesterday, but at the same time, if you weren't back here uh, for the start of spring ball, to me, if you weren't back here at the you know, start of March, you, you probably weren't coming back. But, you you know, you let practice begin without you. I just don't see any way these kids are back. Um, and you're right. I mean, Crouch worked out with a couple, you know, for a week or so with the team, then left. He's been kind of, you know, people have been talking about Michigan State around him. Henry's had different, you know, there were some people talking about Ohio State. I've also heard potentially Florida. Uh, it doesn't seem like Alabama, which was the original kind of, thought to be destination for Henry. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you're Josh Heupel and, and, you know, the staff, much like when we talked to the assistants a few weeks ago, Chad, you, you have to worry about who's in your building. You can't get caught up in worrying about who's doing virtual learning 12 states over. So is Henry T in the building? Is it reports where he was working out? Um, are, are they the waiting on him in any way possible right now? No, I don't believe he is here. I believe he, he he came into town. Uh, I know he had spoken with several of his teammates. He spoke with Tennessee. He spoke with other people that I know of and, and at least was toying around with the idea. I know Tennessee wanted him to come out of the portal to go through spring. Here's the thing you have to think about Henry. Henry, when he came come out of high school, didn't show up till the summertime, so he didn't go through spring then. Last year, COVID hit. He didn't go through spring there. And now he's not going to go through spring again. Like, you know, so like to me, that's hurting himself. I think – you know, if he came back for spring, part of me thinks he was, you know, at this point, he was just coming back to go through spring practice and then leave again. Um, but who knows? You know, ultimately, it doesn't look like he's going to go through spring. And, uh, yeah, I think the kid's only hurting himself no matter where he ends up. Sure, he could, he'll end up at another top-end Power 5 program, but I think you're hurting yourself by missing out on all these practices. Um, I believe UT's got 11 guys who exercised the uh, additional year that's available to them because of, of the COVID crisis and that that's the yep. highest number in the SEC. Does that say a lot about Hypel to you, or is it more contextual based on who those guys are? A little bit of both, Paul. 
Um, you know, I think some guys, you know, relish the chance to come back and, and, and play in an offense or play, you know, under a certain coach. But then I think some guys, you know, knew that, you know, they either were going to go down a level and play or, you know, they weren't going to, you know, they were going to be out of football and not, you know, able to play in the NFL. So I think that, you know, Tennessee is going to use some of these bodies. Like a guy like Matthew Butler, have a chance to learn under Rodney Gardner something that he really looked forward to and, and really gravitated towards once he found out, you know, Rodney Gardner was going to be the defensive line coach. And, 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 and of course, that was after the NFL draft thing had come, come and gone. But I think he was kind of hoping that Tennessee was going to land a defensive line coach that could help him. Um, you know, I mean, that defensive line group, I think we said it a week ago, that, <laughs> for last year, man, they've had basically a substitute teacher. And we all know what that means. It means that, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of accountability you know, when it comes to uh, doing things both on and off the field. And uh, so I think these defensive linemen are, are getting a rude awakening with, uh, with Rodney Garner, who knows how to get it done. Austin Price of AllQuest.com with us for the Tennessee Power Hour on OutKick 360. Austin, with the coaching change, there will be players who benefit just from getting a fresh set of eyes on their overall skill set. As spring practice begins, who do you who are the one, two, three players that you think can make an initial impression on a new coaching staff that could not get over the hump with the previous regime? Well, I mean, I think there are players that maybe played under the previous regime that will see potentially more playing time with this current staff. You know, the fact that William Martinez brought up Theo Jackson tells me Theo Jackson is someone that William Martinez likes, gravitates towards. So I, you know, I I think that you know Theo Jackson's a guy that could potentially see more time under this new staff um, offensively, you know, where does a guy like Kenny Solomon play? You know, Kenny's a track guy. He can run. That's something that really resonates with this offensive staff. He was a defensive guy two years ago. Remember I had that interception and the kind of garbage time and in, in, in a kind of a, a lesser game. Um, then, you know, was on offense at the latter part of last year. Like where does this staff play him at? I think he's going to start at receiver. We'll see, though. I could, could, he was potentially a former walk-on who had offers to go to Louisville and a few other um, you know, programs coming out of high school but chose to walk on here. He's now a scholarship guy. What does a guy like you know, you know, you know, Kenny Solomon do? And then to me, the, the position that I think you see more activity at with this new offense is tight end. I think Princeton Fant, yes, he played. But I think he could be a much bigger factor. Same thing for Jacob Warren and then a young guy like Miles Campbell. I think tight ends will get more run in this offense from a pass-catching standpoint and not just, you know, you know, pers- you know, two tight end personnel where they're, you know, trying to, you know, line up and just, you know, block um, than they ever did under the last staff. I know the, the anticipation for this offense is it's going to be extremely up-tempo. Um how fast can they go right now out of the out of the shoot, so to speak? How how quickly can Heupel get this offense up to the speed he would like to play with on game day? Well, I don't think they know how fast they can go yet. I mean, I think right now they're in just kind of the, you know, you know, they're getting all the ingredients out, you know, and putting them on the counter to try to cook. Like they, they, they I don't think they have any kind of you know, thought process on how fast they can go. To me, a lot of that is dictated by the quarterback, what quarterback wins the job and how fast that person can go and how much he can retain and and spit stuff out. So, you know, I think a lot of it depends on who wins the quarterback battle and and which one of those guys can do exactly what the, uh, the offensive staff wants him to do. Austin, of the true freshmen that are on campus and participated in practice yesterday, 
Who's the most likely to have an immediate impact on this team for Tennessee? Well, he's not a true freshman, but it's going to be Tyon Evans. Uh, you know, I think both he and Jalen Wright make the most sense. And don't forget about a guy who's a Nashville guy, Walker Merrill. Uh, I've continued to hear good things about Walker Merrill. You know, he was, at, you know, played at Brentwood. I think they're going to use him a little bit differently than Ron Crawford and, 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 and Brentwood used him. And I think you will get to see the full repertoire from Walker Merrill. And maybe not something you saw when he was at Brentwood because of the offense they run and how they used him. Uh, it would not surprise me at all if er, you're know, coming out of spring or even early in fall, everybody's going, wait, wait what, Walker Merrill? <laughs> Where did he come from? I thought he would redshirt this year. Like, I think that potentially he could be a guy that helps this football team. And then, you know, I still go back to Tyon Evans. I mean, he looks the part and he's got high hopes and he's motivated coming out of Juco. So, Austin, one quote from Josh Heupel uh, that was refreshing was he was talking about rebuilding and uh, what it takes to get things going quickly. There wasn't a lot of hedging about, oh, this is a three- to five-year process. He said, it's my job to get things going as quick as possible, but also trying to understand how you implement what you want to do and don't rush it. Um, what do you think, just early on, impression of Josh Heupel and not just speeding up the offense, but how maybe he's going to try to speed up the rebuilding process with Tennessee and instilling his program. Well, I, I, there's no talk of year zero, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and I think there probably should be. If, if any coach that's come through here in the last 15 years deserved to be able to call it year zero, it is Josh Heupel. And so, um, you know, that's, that's kind of where this thing's at. I think he's handling it the right way, though, because I think the more you don't talk about year zero – and you kind of just attack and don't let the kids feel like that they have kind of a buffer year, I think you might get more out of them. So I actually like the way he's handling it, you know, vocally. He's not talking about the things that, you know, well, you know, I know we're not the most talented team. I know, you know, we have less depth. I know all the reasons why they shouldn't win. He's talking about the reasons they should win and should compete and should turn the corner quicker than people think. So I think that's a good way. Look, if it don't happen, it don't happen. But I think for anybody, um, it's it, for, and for specifically Josh Heupel, it's all about trying to instill the right mindset. He's tried to build these kids up in the off season uh, with with kind of positive reinforcement and letting them, you know, you know, feel good about themselves and the positives that are going on in the program. And I think that's been good for these kids because I think that, you know, they were kind of, you know, beat down a little bit. So I'm really interested to see how all this goes going forward. You know, we've all seen the pictures that Tennessee posted, Austin, of uh, you got Mike Vrabel and John Robinson bracketing Josh Heupel, uh, watching Trey Smith. You've got Mike Vrabel working one-on-one -on -one with Trey Smith. A lot of talk about the Titans GM and coaches working with, the, with Trey Smith in Tennessee. But just watching Pro Day, what, what was your big takeaway? Was it the big man in Trey Smith, or did someone else really impress you? Well, we weren't able to go to Pro Day. You know, that, that's, you know, something that, you know, we weren't able to go do. I know Trey Smith impressed. I was, you know, happy for Josh Palmer. He ran as fast as he thought he could run or maybe a touch quicker, four five one four five three. Um, You know, he's somebody that, again, I think can get it on an NFL roster. But the one thing he doesn't necessarily have that Mark West Calloway did is the special teams experience. I think that goes a long way, you know, for a guy like Mark West Calloway because he played special teams and can help as a, a gunner or a returner. And, um, you know, I, you know, Bryce Thompson to me also someone who I think from a work ethic standpoint 
can get there. I'm not sure he's going to be drafted real high. He's never going to run that well. He's kind of a football player. So can he get on a roster and do enough to impress to wedge his way in and, and earn a spot? Outside of that, you know, it, it's kind of slim pickings. I mean, there just wasn't a whole lot, you know, at Pro Day. So, Austin, when you look at recruiting right now for this upcoming class, I would say that uh, it's been, I don't know if slow is the right word, but uneventful so far for Josh yeah. Heupel. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good or a bad thing, but what is the hottest ticket item right now with Josh Heupel, with this staff, with who they're recruiting the hardest? Well, I think that the, the hottest ticket item that they're selling is opportunity, which is what every Tennessee staff has sold for the last 15 years. Um, you know, as far as recruits, you know, Tennessee continues to be a good in a good spot with Keaton and Destin Wade out of Summit High School over there in the mid-state. Um, they continue to, you know, I think, you know, be in a good position for several in-state kids. Now, they're having to play catch-up for guys like Isaiah Horton, Dallin Hayden, Jordan James, Cam Miller, you know, but I do think that they are in a good spot, like with a guy like Giovanni Davis out of South Pittsburgh. And, um, you know, th this is a, a, a staff that is starting to branch out. They started so much of what they focused on the first month was in-state for the class of 22. But I think you're starting to see them branch out and do more things outside the state of Tennessee. Kids in Mississippi, you know, you know they love to be a, a real factor for Branson Robinson, a really big-time running back out of uh, the state of Mississippi. He's thought to be going to Georgia, but at the same time, Georgia just picked up Malachi Starks yesterday. You know, where, where do you know where do, where do the Bulldogs stand for Branson Robinson? I think that probably helped Tennessee's case a little bit with Branson. Um, you know, they're they're going to be a, a factor for Taven Jackson, the quarterback out of Indianapolis. They're going to be a factor for Addison Nichols, the offensive lineman out of Greater Atlanta Christian. You know, Tennessee's going to continue to branch out. Um, you know, in, in surrounding states but specifically Georgia, the Atlanta area. They're in on a couple of different defensive backs down in the state of Georgia. They're, they're trying to work Florida. I always think that that's a you know, bit of a pipe dream. I know this staff has ties down there. They all came from UCF. But at the same time, give me some kids that Tennessee's pulled out of the state of Florida that were you know, more than just average players, Chad. Uh, it, it, you know, I mean, Kurt Majip, good solid player, not great. You know, Corey Vereen, good solid player, not great. You know, you can keep going right down the line. A lot of these guys, they, even if they found the field, they've just kind of been good, not great. So, like, to me, Tennessee, you know, yeah, right now they're in a position where they've got to be able to take, you know, just some good players, but they've got to develop them into great players. Uh, because right now, you know, Tennessee's not exactly the hottest name out there in recruiting because of all that's gone on and the uncertainty over the investigation. Well, and unfortunately for Tennessee, they've been very lucrative in the transfer market for other programs. Great players leaving Tennessee no and going to other places. Do you expect Tennessee to reverse that trend, maybe even post-spring, where they become active members of that transfer market, bringing scholarship players in? I think it's possible, but here's the one thing you got to think about. If Tennessee is going to have to self-impose or they're going to have to take some scholarship reductions, they've got, I think, four spots left for the 21 class. Is it not smart to go ahead and offer those up? I mean, who are you really going to get out of spring? If you're getting somebody that you know is going to help your football program as a starter, as a contributor, as someone who can help you win football games, yes, you take them. But if you're not, if you're just taking kind of a body, I think you're better off to not. I mean, you go back to Jeremy Pruitt's first class, and he took a lot of bodies late in, 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 in his class, whether it be Keller Christ, Madre London, you know, uh, Brandon Davis. So you can go right down the line 
Cedric Tillman. I know Tillman played a little bit more here lately, but I mean, they took a lot of just bodies. And and how much of you know how many of those bodies actually helped Tennessee, especially the two tr- grad transfers in Christ and Kristen and and Madre London. They didn't win football games for Tennessee at all. And and I, they, if you look back, Tennessee shouldn't have taken them. Austin, what's the schedule moving forward for spring practice in Tennessee? Uh, practice tomorrow. Um, you know, then they'll, they'll have a couple of days off. They'll basically Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Now they will have to make up the one practice from this past Tuesday when they missed because of, you know, so many COVID uh, positives and they were trying to recover from that. Um, but, you know, other than that, it'll basically be Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday with that one practice, you know, sprinkled in. I think next week, though, they actually will go Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. They will not practice Saturday, the day before Easter, and give their kids a chance to, you know, either go home and spend Easter with their families or, you know, just kind of regroup. Uh, so I think they'll practice on Good Friday. Well, here's hoping that they get outside so the reporters and everyone at VolQuest can actually <laughs> yeah. get out there and get a look at this team because the, the, you're restricted if they go indoors for weather. That's right. We are. I mean, it is what it is. I, you know, I, I, do I think it's ideal? No. Um, you know, but at the same time, like Tennessee is, is doing more than what anybody else is doing about trying to get media back to practice. I think part of that's because they know that they need to be able to sell the football program and us not being able yep. to see anything doesn't really help sell it. But uh, give Bill Martin a guy that doesn't want any credit. I'm going to give him credit anyways because he's been very proactive. Josh Heifel's been very open to, you know, Tim Banks or Rodney Garner or whoever coming on the nation uh, with Chris Lowe and myself. Um, you know, they've, they've let all of the, the new you know staff members talk to the media in, in Zoom sessions. So they've been very proactive about selling the football program, which includes us returning to practice. Are they going to be active, Austin, about letting you watch something other than stretching uh, in the first period of practice? Will you be able to watch a little more practice now? I do think that we will be able to watch more practice. I don't think that like it'll be a, a crazy amount. Uh, that's just kind of the, the the way they do it now. I mean, I remember a time, Chad, when I sat in there in Neyland Stadium and watched scrimmages and John Painter and Bud Ford sit up there and they took stats. And at the end of the scrimmage, you saw that Daryl Vereen had run for 44 yards you know, um, you know, before he, they moved him from running back to linebacker. So, you know, you, you kind of understand that that's the territory you're in, but yes, I do think you'll see more than we saw, uh, whether it be with Butch Jones or Jeremy Pruitt. Austin Price, VolQuest.com is the website. Look forward to Brent Hubbs being back with us next week as a part of the hour with Austin. Uh, Check out the website all weekend. Great spring practice coverage and features uh, galore. Uh, across the board. Austin, great stuff as always, man. We will catch up with you next week. Always enjoy this. Thanks. Appreciate it, guys. And uh, Chad, nice Georgia shirt. Yeah, th- thanks, Austin. Always representing. You know I love my Bulldogs. <laughs> it's all about Huge Isaiah, Isaiah Wilson. Wilson fan. Yeah, yeah it's that's really right. just in support of him and his stellar pro career. That's what it's all about. So, uh, remember the Titans had the number one pick. They traded back to, what, 15 or 16 with the Rams. Then 12. they came, came back up to eight in order to get Jack Conklin. Those trades were spaced out. Dolphins aren't wasting any time. So they just traded from uh, 3 to 12. 12, and now they're back to 6 in another deal with the Eagles. So a lot of activity going on all at once. We'll and tell the you first what it round means. getting scrambled. Live reaction to this big trade across the NFL where the Eagles are now picking 12th. The Dolphins picking sixth and the 49ers picking third. We'll tell you what it means next on Outkick 360.